0: All right. Hey, Jyoti. Hi, Reagan. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Um, pretty good. I stayed at home from work today. Kind of needed a mental health day and to actually do some research for this podcast. Yes. Yeah. So right. I'm feeling pretty mellow. Um, did some yoga beforehand. So here we are.
1: Here we are, so this is our first episode of Yay. Soft Jaw, our new podcast about yoga and more.
0: <laughs> <laughs> et al. <laughs> yeah, et al. Uh,
1: I thought it might be good uh, for us to start with like brief introductions, oh, I do need to say I am recording this in the office at my parents' house. And there is a periodic beeping indicating a battery dying of a piece of machinery in this room. <laughs> so that is just going to be part of the ambient soundscape.
0: But today. you don't know what what it is, like where it is? It's just uh, crawled well, into actu- a corner and died?
1: Yeah, so <laughs> I <laughs> or we dying? do not actually know what it is. So this is going to be a very weird introduction to a podcast. Uh, it's so oddly, it's something having to do with either the internet slash cable, and the battery weirdly can only be replaced by some sort of technician that needs to be scheduled. So mm. the beeping cannot be ceased by the hands of <laughs> civilians.
0: Okay. All right. <laughs> so, um, it it just, lends some urgency to that.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm just sort of feeling like it's one of those... Um, aspects of an ambient space where, like when I used to practice yoga in San Francisco and like a siren would go by, Mm -hmm. and there'd be this moment where you would have to acknowledge that there'd been something in the soundscape that might feel intrusive, and then be able to say like, and we hope that all is well with what is going on out there. Mm. And we will breathe through the way that that is altering our space here. So um, it is less um, of a crisis than a siren. It's just some beeping that will happen to us.
0: And technology dying.
1: <laughs> yes, it's just a battery dying <laughs> uh, that we will okay. wish well
0: in this <laughs> lifespan. <laughs> um, well, my ambient sounds... Is my pug perhaps she might snort or fart or something but <laughs> she interrupts my yoga too yes. she uh, is very curious when I'm on the mat and yes. just kind of is like well I guess you're laying down so let me lay on top of you yes great <laughs> yeah so that's pug yoga
1: yes uh, so, um, so, so we um, already started would,
0: talking about yoga. There you yeah, go.
1: There we go. Uh, so I did think it might be good to start with sort of brief self-introductions and then maybe like a relationship status in terms of yoga.
0: Oh, <laughs> um, okay. <laughs>
1: yeah. Not not between ourselves or anybody else we're okay. in relationship with, <laughs> uh, but just sort of like where we're at with the yoga practice. Um, it doesn't have to be uh, in depth. But just kind of, um, kind of where we are at the moment with with yoga. Um, would you like to go first?
0: Um, okay. <laughs> well, geez, yoga has been part of my life for my whole entire life, but not me directly practicing it. My father is was I should say he's past um he, he was a yoga teacher and he grew up in India and um went to like a yoga monastery as a teenager and learned all the things and this was in like the early 50s late 50s I'm not sure and um he was sent as one of I can't remember what they were called, like messengers or disciples or something of this particular monastery to the Western world to spread yoga, the teachings of yoga. Um, And this particular monastery was called the Ananda Marga. And... As I learned later from my dad that I guess they were extremist Hindu monks in his (laughs) I don't know how that happens, but apparently they were. He just didn't like a lot of the rigidity of their teaching, very sort of religiously rigid. So he had initially been sent to the Philippines and then ended up migrating to Australia and opening his own yoga studio there in the late 60s. Um, And then I was born in late 70s and, you know, just grew up around his yoga studio. And and I did kind of participate when I was younger and was obviously adorable doing these little yoga poses awesome. i have photos <laughs> so cute i had this yoga outfit which i should bring back it's like this blue leotard and this little white tutu that was my yoga outfit yeah. when i, I was mean, like I don't know three why that's not on the cover <laughs> of yoga journal <laughs> exactly exactly so um but then you know as i got older and my mother became a bit more um Well, she became Christian, like extremist, Christian, I've got a lot of uh, extremists in my family, I guess. Um, She was basically like of the opinion that yoga is from the devil and her and my dad became estranged and any sort of mention or talk of yoga she didn't really want in our house. Um, And then it was also kind of embarrassing like even before that it was embarrassing that my dad was a yoga teacher like in rural Australia where I lived it was just like I'm already weird and not white or Aboriginal and now that's what my dad does and my parents are mixed race and it was just super weird so I just distanced myself from it because it wasn't cool in the 80s and this time in right, Australia like just
1: like one generation too soon yeah <laughs> like yeah I was get. no
0: one had any idea I mean I s your average person I'm like well it seems cool but it's isn't it a little bit religious or I don't know if Christians can practice that so I just didn't really practice it at all and then i kind of went back to it in my 20s and went to my dad's studio he was still teaching and but i i always felt really weird because he'd always point out that i was his kid but i was really crappy at yoga because i hadn't had a practice and i was kind of you know into a punk rock lifestyle so i wasn't the healthiest And I would go and just kind of struggle through it as most beginners do and should. But because I had this spotlight on me as his daughter, I felt super, I don't know, like self-conscious and I just didn't do a regular practice. And then I just started to resent it a little bit. And then fast forward to living in the United States, I just haven't really been able to find a studio where I feel at home in. There's always that sense like... That even though no one knows who my dad was, you know, I feel and nothing that the people necessarily at the studios are doing. But I always just am so super aware of the disconnect many places have of the Indian side of things. Like there's not another person of color in the room. And I feel super like... (laughs) on the spot in a different way like I don't know it's just that insecurity that I have felt but then you know I've just haven't really been doing any exercise and my naturopath was like you need to do yoga you're getting unhealthy and gaining weight and all this stuff and I'm like okay let me try it again and so I'm really trying to stick with it now in terms of just doing it all the time (laughs) and like just trying different places and not letting that intimidation or that self-consciousness or that feeling of being the other get in the way of just my practice um so that's kind of where I'm at and so for the last you know since the beginning of the month I've been trying to do some form of yoga whether at home or in a studio like every day it's it's sort of more like every other day but you know a lot more than what I was doing before which was nothing so that's my relationship to yoga in a nutshell so it's kind of strained curious knowledgeable but not like from practice just from being around it so what about you
1: (laughs) awesome thank you so much uh so I have been practicing yoga for about 15 years. Um, I did go to a yoga class or a couple of yoga classes prior to that time frame that I say I started. I do remember the first yoga class I went to uh, in college was this very crowded room and the teacher had an assistant that was coming around and giving these really gentle adjustments. And after the class, the friend who had brought me to that class said, oh, didn't you just feel like she was an angel? Hmm. And I had been experiencing her adjustments as critique. Uh And it had not dawned on me that they were like a gift or that they could be perceived as like a form of generosity or anything other than someone telling me that um, I was doing something wrong. Uh, Mm. Which of course in retrospect is just informative about my mindset that I had grown up with. Um, So I didn't stay with yoga because I felt uh, judged by very gentle hands on my body. (laughs) Um, And so it was several years later that a group of friends was going to a yoga class and invited me to come. And, uh, you know, I showed up in plaid pajama pants and some sort of big, weird t-shirt. Like, I just didn't even understand what what you wore to yoga
0: you wear that of course yeah. you wear that
1: <laughs> <laughs> so it was not a leotard and a tutu well
0: you <laughs> was... wear that too you can wear whatever you want yeah
1: <laughs> um and this beautiful this i mean i say beautiful she's actually is quite stunning but i actually mean like as a total human this yoga teacher jennifer rodrigue um was teaching this class and i felt like the clumsiest baby goat in that class like i did not understand where my body was half the time i was so confused uh but when we got to shavasana i experienced a state of calm that i don't think i had ever experienced in my life like it's a state i don't think i've ever remembered having and uh I just wanted that feeling more and more, and I, um, at the time, I lived about a forty-five-minute bike ride from that studio, and it was it was in San Francisco, and it was quite hilly. And I would be at home, not wanting to go to yoga, and I would just be like, "Oh, just don't fucking want to go." And I was like, "But I want that after yoga feeling," and that alone was enough to motivate me to get on my bike like zoom down and up and around all these hills to get to that studio for feeling like a clumsy baby goat for an hour and 25 minutes for five minutes of that feeling. And Mm -hmm. that is just what got me there for years was just to have those few minutes of actually feeling like serenity and at ease. Um, and so over time, you know, the rest of the practice felt less clumsy and started to um, be more than just ungangly bodiness. <laughs> um, and I eventually chose to do a yoga, the yoga teacher training at that studio. And it was there that I found my, who I call my teacher, um, Tony Briggs. And I'm sure I will speak lots about him on this podcast, so the simplest thing I will say about him in this moment is I was laying down, uh, or I might have been been sitting, I was sitting, but my back was turned to the door that he walked in through, and I was just shooting the shit with my friends, and he walked in the room, and I knew he was my teacher Mm. before he said a word. So there was something about him that I knew immediately was what I needed, and I've studied with him consistently since then, and um, I did the yoga teacher training, I've done other teacher trainings and intensives since then, and I've taught in studios, I've taught kids, I've taught in hospitals, um, and through that time, I've I've had a ambivalent relationship to Western yoga culture, Mm -hmm. Um, so I love the practice so much and I really struggle with what springs up around the practice here in the United States, Um, which I'll just there's that beeping. <laughs> so I'll just put a pin in that now and just say there's a deep ambivalence that I have between my love of the practice and the way that the practice is, pra- is manifested mm-hmm. in this place that is my home, the United States or the <laughs> West. Um, so uh, I've practiced really consistently. Um, many many years and then last year I was in two car accidents one quite significant and then the other um, less so but still impactful and in the process of healing from these accidents I have not been practicing yoga. Um, I have been Meditating fairly regularly and consistently. Um, but even as my body was capable of a physical practice, I found myself avoiding getting onto the mat and doing yoga. And what I realized over time was that, um, you know, the practice of yoga is really a practice of meeting, uh, the reality of one's experience and whether it was protection or denial or some combination thereof, um, I just really wasn't ready to know how I was really feeling and mm-hmm. I was really, uh, blocked from that for quite some time. And so it's only in the past few weeks that I've begun practicing physical yoga again and uh, that has come with a lot of crying Um, Mm. so I have taken classes at studios and been weeping whilst practicing yoga Mm. Uh, and um, it's coming with this release of emotion and also with a remembering of what I love about the practice and what the practice means to me. So that's where I'm at with yoga right now.
0: Thanks for sharing that. I, you know, I hadn't heard before um, what those experiences that you had when you first started doing yoga. I mean, we've been friends for many, many, many years. And before you got into yoga, I believe, yeah, that was after you returned back from yeah. Australia to the United States, yeah. yeah. And we lived in different cities and all of that. And I knew that you were were doing it and then we're doing the teacher training, but it, it wasn't, I never sort of heard that experience and that was really cool. And it just made me think actually the the thing that I think that I keep resenting or just feeling weird about is that, You know, my dad had lots and lots of students over the years and did teacher trainings. And, you know, like when I met them and they were like, oh, my God, you're Jyoti, your father's amazing and you must be amazing. I I couldn't access that kind of bliss that they seem to have or that serenity and You know, even when my mom became a Christian and I tried to, you know, like convert and speak in tongues, and all the other kids could do it, I couldn't. And I'm just like, what is wrong with me? Like, I never, like, I just did yoga as like, you know, cool poses with my dad or whatever. It was just kind of there, almost like a gym fitness test or something yeah. but there was never that profound experience even though i saw everybody around me having that profound experience and so i think that at that time i was probably just so i don't know I mean, and maybe that's what i need to figure out but i i know that i was a very angry child and teenager and in my 20s and you know pretty much my whole life and mm. <laughs> but just in the past few years after some pretty profound awful good and um, run the gamut experiences um i definitely feel like i'm at a place where i'm not coming from anger anymore and i'm willing to like not just you know, I'm I'm ready to to feel that spiritual pro- profundity that everybody else seems to be able to access, but maybe just because I didn't really choose to go into yoga, it just was around. Like I wasn't open to it in that way. Um, right. So yeah, well. that thank you, and that really totally made me me realize that that is that 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 kind of angry feeling that I get still in a yoga class when everybody else is so great, and I feel like. S- still that (laughs) I love that that clumsy goat feeling like (laughs) kind of like that and just like wanting something divine to happen
1: yeah I mean I think it's something where I like when when I went to Jennifer's classes I I had no expectation of reaching serenity or I had no do you know like so mm-hmm. in some way that like I was like free to experience it because mm-hmm. I wasn't aspiring towards it, you know. Makes sense. Um whereas <laughs> I think like what might be comparable is like I grew up in a household where being an athlete was very strongly I'm gonna say like enforced in fact. <laughs> like it wasn't even like encouraged, it was like enforced. And so I struggled so much with like wanting to be so good at it because mm-hmm. I felt like it was like essential to be good at it mm-hmm. and in some ways that clenched feeling prevented me from being maybe as good as I could have been right cuz I wasn't free to uh like learn as well cuz mm-hmm. I was like so tense and also the stakes just felt so high like I realize sports aren't the same as like spiritual like <laughs> bliss or something but I don't know in my household they might be like sports might actually be the religion <laughs> you Yay. know and so in some ways like you know this there's, there's this situation in my life where I'm here at my parents house quite a bit and I'm watching all this baseball with my dad and there there was a long time where I couldn't have enjoyed that, or there was a tension around what those things meant. And some of that had to do with pressures that were put on athleticism that made them not as accessible or ease at ease. Mm. You know, and I think um, with, with a yoga practice that then becomes not just about what happens on your yoga mat right but about mm. how one feels in their life is like that like a receptivity that isn't trying to um like like grab so hard mm. at things yeah. you know I mean that's like a super simplification but I think there's a way that um, coming to the pra- like, coming to the practice softer allows the practice to give you something that it otherwise can't.
0: Yeah. Um. So it sounds like even though we are coming from it in from two totally different ways, in this. I think you know this is why we kind of wanted to start the podcast because we're kind of re entering it in a new perspective like mine is maybe a little bit more calmer than I had been in my past and then yours is coming back after an injury and seeing almost like starting as a we're both sort of starting as beginners again but with previous practice and and in different ways, like you were saying about your kind of the the pin you dropped about like Western yoga and and maybe the culture of yoga. I mean, I think we wanted to start this podcast because even when you know I just typed in yoga podcast, it was all very um, similar. <laughs> it was all um, very much focused on either like losing weight or getting fit or part of a diet plan or and the images were of like these fit beautiful white people (laughs) on a mountaintop or by a stream and just this kind of that sort of idea of like that bliss or just like we are just so like transcendent and And both of us realize that it's not always like that. It's kind of shitty and makes you feel shitty, makes you feel (laughs) shitty things. Yeah. And (laughs) it's really easy to just go like, fuck it, I'm not going to do it anymore. Or, you know, I can't or, you know, I'm not going to. But but there's that that. That individuality and that necessariness to where you are in your life right now that can't be summed up in a you know a pretty lotus flower and you know the this kind of commodified version that you see of yoga everywhere that you're supposed to fit into and supposed to practice a certain way and supposed to suddenly feel you know spiritually enlightened or you know be super ripped and Um, be a vegetarian I don't know like all these (laughs) things that is sort of prescribed but and you know have deep history and deep roots but uh, I don't I'm not like haven't been brought up like in an Indian type of culture at all but you know I I kind of I want to explore like like the roots of yoga and and how it has manifested in the West, but also how maybe it should manifest in different ways in the West. Yeah. Not just as something to make your butt look good or, you know, wear things other than a tutu and a leotard and. Plaid pajama, <laughs> pajama pants. I think
1: <laughs> like, they were purple and pink. Let's just acknowledge my plaid pajama pants. We're purple and oh, pink. I
0: was thinking like the black and red, kind of like nineties nah. um, grunge, nah, you know. Pajamas. And I was like, yeah, grunge, <laughs> no, grunge yoga. Let's <laughs> let's do grunge yoga now that the nineties are coming back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that um, like
1: this is what like I felt so fortunate to have found Tony Briggs, who has become my teacher, um, because he approaches yoga um, at such a different angle than this, uh, what has become this mainstreamed uh, Western, like happiness yoga or bliss yoga. Um, And um, I remember having a conversation with him where he was saying, you know, really the foundation of yoga is that it's like really hard to be in a body. You know, it's mm-hmm. like really hard to be alive in a body and it kind of sucks. And he's also um, studied Buddhism in depth. And so the foundation of the practices for him is the same, right? Like life is suffering mm-hmm. and um, like. It gets said over and over and it's easy to be like, yeah, yeah, life is suffering, life is suffering. It's like, no, for real, like, if you get into the present, it is often so uncomfortable, right? And um, there's a lot of pain in embodiment, and these practices have been developed to bring some ease to that in some way, and to bring some attention to that, Um, but it is, like, it's not, um, it's not all vistas, like, it's not all, like, dancer pose on a vista, right, like, (laughs) it might, like, it sometimes is, right, like, I, you know, I, I don't think I have ever done dancer pose on a Vista, but for someone's life, that is sometimes what life is.
0: But like, oh, yeah, my dad used to bring his students down to like the waterfront in Sydney and they would do Tai Chi or different yoga poses and it, and it you know, totally, that would be such a beautiful experience to do. Well, let's do yoga on a Vista
1: one day. Yeah, we will, one day we'll take this podcast out to a <laughs> right Vista.
0: At, right food. at sunset. so the light sort of shines in like the bent leg um so beautiful and and yeah I don't want to deny people that beauty and that connection to nature and as my dad always sort of said like yoga really is for everybody um and I saw the people in his classes they worked freaking hard they were there every night even if they had been doing it for 10 20 15 years they were at the beginner's class then they would stay for the advanced class like it was like they were hardcore about it and they had awesome bodies and were totally like had that hippie dippy like you know everything's amazing kind of thing going on and good for them (laughs) (laughs) but not all of us have that yet and maybe we will maybe we won't but
1: or i guess i mean sorry i didn't mean to interrupt but i guess like what i want to say is like it might like in some ways like and I, like I mean this sort of gently, but like it's pretty easy to feel good when you're doing dancer pose on a vista at sunset. Mm-hmm. Like, like you've set up the conditions such that like a lot of things are in place to feel good, and that's mm-hmm. a rad. Like, you know, <laughs> and if you have access to that, that is amazing. And sometimes you are under different conditions, right? yeah. and the practice is available. Then, as well you know yeah and so i think that's maybe the part of yoga that i think gets less attention because it's less glamorous when you're weeping on the mat in pigeon pose because you're traumatized right (laughs) and you know like that's not a pretty picture for the cover of yoga journal you know? um and me I wouldn't want that picture necessarily
0: ugly crying <laughs> on a yoga mat like <laughs> sweating um, I mean
1: maybe that's the revolution that I'm calling for is that there should be a picture of me <laughs> weeping on my mat because I'm releasing trauma in the Yeah, um but I think like that part where the present is difficult but the present is important and useful is mm-hmm. this part of yoga or where, that is less glamorous, but I think is maybe as important as mm-hmm. the Vista dancer pose yoga. Yes. And that's what I really want to, like, that's what I want to get into. <laughs> like, that's what I want to talk about. Yeah. I just really like the abject, I think, of everything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and another thing I thought of when you were saying stuff like access and like, it's not your reality all the time. Like, again, like I, I have a great job and I have a house and you know, I can feed myself every day, but I still feel like a little urchin (laughs) street urchin. Anytime I walk into these yoga studios um, or not all of them, but a lot of them. And I mean, speaking of access, like Mm -hmm. classes are like 15 bucks a pop and you know there's these membership things like i just i and then if you do read about like underserved communities doing yoga it's always like that it's always like that picture of the like white woman going to africa and holding all the like little black children it's kind of like oh we brought yoga to this school in you know this bad area of this neighborhood and they get these kids get to do it but it's always sort of the praises lumped on like the studio or the teacher, but you never hear the stories of, you know, those kids and, and what it meant in their life. And if it in any way helped with, you know, everyday struggles or if they continued to be able to have access, like there's not a lot of stories and I'm not even saying that my story is that it's completely not like some kind of like, you know, overcoming, poverty and violence or whatever and and you know seeking this path of yoga but I want to hear more stories like that like I want to hear the diverse stories of yoga and talk about it and be also like just a different voice and a different perspective and hopefully through us doing this we you know we find more people out there that love yoga like us but also kind of sort of hate the commodification and weird shit that goes along with it and just, you know, wants to examine it, wants to break it down a little bit and, um, you know, just, just kind of figure out the different paths of this ancient, ancient (laughs) practice. It's, you know, Western commodified yoga is pretty new. Like, like I said, it was not cool in the (laughs) eighties by any means. (laughs) No one knew like what my dad did, but, um, but now, you know, it's so mainstream. It's so yeah. mainstream. And that's great in a lot of ways. But it's also, e- there's there's problems and things that we need to address around that. And yes. it, I want to talk about those things, too. <laughs>
1: yes. I want to talk about those things.
0: And hopefully um, people want to listen to right. it.
1: <laughs> yeah. I d- and I do think that there are so many people who want to have that conversation right like i think i was like there's always more voices than those that are getting heard right so that would be like uh i'm losing language uh <laughs> that'd be like uh I was going to say, like, a mission, but that is an annoying Um, (laughs) word. Uh, Like, an aspiration of this podcast would be that we would want to be um, creating space for other yoga voices beyond our own.
0: And they can email us, because we started an email address. Yeah, what's our email? Our email is softjawpodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. So... If anyone is listening and anyone wants to like tell us their yoga story or make a suggestion or just you know say hey I heard your podcast <laughs> cool <laughs> yeah.
1: tell us how you ended up coming to the practice we're interested yeah. in your yoga origin yes stories.
0: yes oh I love the yoga origin stories that sounds really super sci-fi yeah <laughs> how did you become the yogi that you are today
1: um, so I'm curious about your um, your practice this week
0: mm-hmm.
1: or any uh, research slash observations that you have
0: well I'm really excited because there's a studio in downtown Portland where I work um, so a 10 minute walk away from my office and it is a donation based yoga studio uh, yeah yeah I didn't like and I I'd seen it and heard about it like that it was that for a while but you know I didn't know what it would be like at all but I went down there finally because I had to stay back at work late and miss the you know I would just been going to yoga classes at the university gym and I missed the class. And I'm like, okay, now I gotta go do something. But where? Like, so let's go to it's called um, Yoga on Yam Hill. And it's the street name is Yam Hill. But it was actually super awesome. Like, it was, I don't know why I thought, it's just gonna be this weird room. And <laughs> just, I don't know, like gross. Cause, you know, it's not $15 a pop yoga that has all the fancy things. But no, it's beautiful. They've got like two studios, one upstairs and one downstairs, and they have a full roster of yoga, different types of yoga. I did a yin yoga class. And um so I was really happy to find that because I don't have a lot of money to invest in yoga and then sometimes that's a barrier for me like Starting, you know, maybe once I can feel pretty confident in the yoga practice and find a studio or whatever that really works for me, you know, or you know, I'm not gonna just like go for free because I'm cheap, but I just I don't. the The money aspect intimidates me, and um, so yeah, it was just so welcoming, and the teacher was really cool, like older guy and i read his bio on the website and it was talking about how you know yoga saved him from addiction and um yeah i was i kind of had this sort of little happy moment because the train like the max in portland goes straight like outside the window you're talking about ambient sounds Mm -hmm. and my dad's yoga studio in sydney the monorail in sydney would go past the windows all the time and i just have these great memories of my brother and i like pressing our faces against the window and watching the monorail in between yoga classes. And yeah, there was something super comforting about hearing those like urban sounds from a yoga studio because I don't know. And it, it just, so yeah, I'm going to go back. That was the only yoga class I did like this last week. Everything else has just been at home. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was a yin class. And so, um, I always find those so hard like (laughs) I they're oh my god like I just want to like squirm around and just like move to the next like I hate flow classes because they're just so hard for me to keep up with and all I want to do is like lay on the ground but then in a yin class where you're laying on the ground or you're bolstered up and you're holding poses for like four minutes and <laughs> just like, yeah. Oh my God, this is absolutely torturous. And like just child's pose all the way. But yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And I hadn't done, I hadn't done yin gosh for like years and years, but, but yeah, that's, that's what I discovered <laughs> this week.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, um, like on, um, uh, micro level uh i can i can relate both in um experientially and also i i use that because i've experienced that as a teacher when i'll you know i'll have my students maybe start in a very like extended child's pose and i'll say something like hey so if you're sitting here wondering, like, when you're gonna get to, like, the real yoga, and you're sitting here being, like, hey, like, I want something real to happen, uh, just remember that later on when we're doing something else that you hate, and you're frustrated because I'm making you do something else, that, like, Mm -hmm. there's, like, the flip side, you know, that, like, when we're still, we reach a point where we're over it, and we don't want to be still anymore, Mm -hmm. and the same thing happens when, you know, we're, working hard or we're holding something that's asking us to be strong or asking us to be flexible we still reach a point where we're over it you know that 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 capacity comes no matter what the conditions are yeah you know and so like that's that like awareness is the real important like i don't know uh nodule ultimately right (laughs) like (laughs) is being like oh right like there is something that's gonna happen there's a restlessness that's gonna happen regardless of the conditions once those conditions reach a threshold Mm -hmm. of some kind
0: yeah you
1: know um but I, what about you? I also struggle in yin classes uh, with, the, with the longer holds.
0: Um, oh, my gosh. Uh, I feel like I'm going to get, like, the worst cramp or I'm never going to be able to untangle myself. <laughs> like, I just am, like, super scared. It's scary. It's yeah. like you're literally pushing your body beyond, like, your, or you're trying to, like, get to your limit and then relax into a limit. But you don't relax yeah. at your limit, right? That's not what we yeah. do every day when we reach our limit we're stressed out and freaking out about it and trying to retreat but yin makes you relax into it and that yeah yeah and like really hard
1: to like breathe and create space there at that limit
0: yeah but it was a good class and i'm gonna go back i'm excited to go back to that studio they actually have a uh certified curvy yoga instructor so I'll take my curvy booty down there and (laughs) do some curvy yoga. Um, And it just seems like a really welcoming space. And I think that, for example, just having like a donation bucket out and not you don't even have to sign in your name or anything, you just show up at this beautiful yoga space. Like it's got like exposed brick and like this old building in downtown Portland, Um, really good equipment there. And it's just like, we're just doing yoga and leave money if you can, and mm-hmm. I just to me it has that enough sort of that that's what yoga is. It's not meant to be inaccessible to people yeah. at all and um so that made me really happy and I'll, and so I have no excuses now. <laughs> there's always an excuse there's no there's no class, it's too expensive. it's on the other side of town, but this is literally like ten minutes' walk from my office and but, um, but we didn't do tree pose. And I know that we wanted to talk about tree pose this week. So huh? um, I did do, s- you know, a, a regular sort of just like home practice with the sun salutations and then the balancing poses and everything. So so I did do tree pose today. I was going to see like how long I could hold it and all this kind of fun stuff. But, you know, five seconds or whatever it was. It was <laughs> like enough. I don't... Yeah love tree pose and i think that was why you and i decided to talk about it this week
1: yeah (laughs) um i also do not love tree pose um so i I spent some time trying to investigate why I don't like <laughs> Uh And I think some of it is that it's, <laughs> there's like a, a forward facing exposure to it mm-hmm. that I don't like. Um, even if no one is looking directly at me. I think there's a weird way that tree pose, especially because it's also um, like hip opening.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think there's a a combination of vulnerability and exposure that that pose makes me feel, regardless of context, mm. that I don't like. <laughs> um, and I, there, I, I don't get like the satisf, you know, satisfaction, quote unquote, that I may get from another balancing pose. I don't
0: get from tree pose in particular like you get satisfaction from balance uh, there's no balancing poses like it's well maybe dancer pose on a vista no <laughs> on and, a vista but, at
1: a sunset <laughs> yeah no yeah, I think I
0: mean, dancer pose I guess I do but
1: yeah, I hate all I mean, balancing poses yeah <laughs> I don't I think or even the the work of a balancing pose the sort of like rigor of them, which mm. I'm just like a bit of a masochist, so I kind of like that sort of rigor. Yeah, um, I get that. <laughs> uh, I don't like. I don't get that from Tripos <laughs> very much, in a way that. Um, yeah, so there's this there's this exposure feeling that I get from it, and there's a lack of. Sort of satisfaction. That
0: you yeah. Get
1: from it. Um. But I. It's it's an interesting thing because I don't practice tree pose very much in my own practice, mm. but I did when I was the last place that I was teaching yoga before uh, this very uh, the sort of era of of trauma entered my life uh, this past year. I was teaching these community classes in the Alameda hospital system. So they were for people who worked in the hospital system and for any community members who were local. And they were free to the community and free to the workers. So Mm -hmm. anyone could show up and come to class. And I did teach tree pose fairly regularly because there is a simplicity to it as a balancing pose there's Mm -hmm. stages that are accessible yeah to just about anybody and it is on one like lateral plane so it's not like dancer or uh warrior three or any some of the other balancing poses that require um tilting in space
0: Mm -hmm.
1: so i um i sort of see the value of it in those ways um
0: But I'm just kind of an asshole because I don't want to do it. Um, It's such an iconic pose, too. Like, if if the pictures of people on vistas doing dancer pose aren't there, it's someone doing tree pose so serenely, um, you know, on a mountaintop. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it, it... I don't know. It is just almost like the iconic yoga pose like the easy like oh that person's doing yoga pose not just flailing around or whatever they're they're doing yoga. I mean I guess warrior um one is like that now too but um but when I was little I remember like talking to my dad about tree pose like I was trying to remember the story but it was like how people in India this is from him how people in India just kind of like hang out in tree pose like Mm. it's just like a way to stand (laughs) and I was like what it's so hard and I find it so hard because like I guess and I was reading about this today like it's supposed to really help with flat feet and I have super flat feet and I mean even in like any standing poses my feet feel like they're being stabbed Mm. um especially in tree pose like because it's just you know you're on one leg and like you said there's there's not like any other counterbalance to kind of keep you up um and uh, yeah like it it's always just sort of the 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 one that i've tried to practice when i was little mm. um but what annoys me about it now is that i can't get my foot up past you know, my foot actually wants to rest on my knee, but I know it's not good for your knee joint, so I put it on my calf. Yeah. Um, But it annoys me so much. I get so pissed off that I cannot put my foot on my inner thigh. I'm just like, <laughs> why can't I do that? Like, I've never been able to do that, and it's just, like, so inaccessible. And even when I'm, like, super, like, into practicing and I'm flexible and whatever... And if I can do other hip openers and so I was like looking at these like practice things to to sort of because you know the point of part of the point of tree pose is to not like tilt your pelvis or tilt like following your like upper leg that following the knee you know you want your both hips to face forward and so you know if you can't even Put your knee out to the side. Like maybe you need to adjust to not like turning to it. And it was like oh lay on the ground. And kind of do it so you're not trying to balance. But even then when I put my foot up to my inner thigh. Like it will not flatten out. It will not go down. (coughs) Excuse me. And so yeah I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever be able to do it. But I really want to be able to do it one day. And be like all right I'm done. I do it. This is like <laughs> I have achieved yoga. <laughs> I, this is yoga. I've reached nirvana. Give me an orange robe and a pat on the back. Like that's <laughs> it. But um Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's got to do with my flat feet or my like lower back. Um it's kind of weird. There's a few things that I can't do like, you know, like put my butt on the floor in um like when I'm in child's pose or anything so it might just be a tightness that i have to work through or it might just be a skeletal thing but i swear to god every other fucking person in class can put their leg up like their foot on their like inner thigh even like the people that obviously it's their first yoga class and they can't do anything else and they're doing tree (laughs) so perfectly and i'm just like hmm yeah. So, what's your I, advice as a teacher? Like, what do you think is going on with me?
1: <laughs> I know I w- I want to see your body in person. So we'll <laughs> we'll have a um a follow up episode when okay. we're in person. Um, because I have some thoughts about um in particular, there are a couple of really like deep um sort of long weird muscles that connect the low back to um like the top of your femur, um, mm-hmm. that kind of like thread through your hip, and I feel like those are probably involved here a little mm. bit. Uh, so that's like the iliopsoas and and such. Um, so that's one of the kind of technical pieces that I think might be going on, but I'd have to look at your body to really yeah. know. Um, and it's it's interesting um, cuz i feel like uh like like the thing i want to like like give you like the thing i want to like wash over you like <laughs> so much is just that like and i mean this is you know it's like the blessing of the teachers that i've been given like because obviously as the person who went to her first yoga class and took gentle touch as critique (laughs) of like her soul (laughs) Um,
0: so you are not yoga enough a
1: long arc that i have like been on for 20 years or so is just you know that like I don't know, like, you you actually won't reach enlightenment if you can put your foot <laughs> in your inside.
0: <laughs> oh, come on. Yes, I will. I swear. Um, I'll just be like, drop the mic, walk out. Yeah, it's
1: true. Duh. I mean, perhaps. It actually, you know, there are stories <laughs> of sudden enlightenments like that. So that might be your path for you. Yes. Um, but I think, I mean, one thing that I have been really reflecting on just as someone who has just gone through, like, some pretty... Uh, drastic like physical trauma you know mm-hmm. is like thinking of my relationship to my body as this like long haul right like I'm like oh hey hey body you and me like we are in it together for as long as <laughs> forever basically yeah. for as long yeah. as consciousness is here and you know like there is like, there's pleasure and delight in being able to do stuff with your body. Like, I don't deny that at all. Like, it's fun to be able to do stuff with your body. And it's fun to be able to work towards things, you know? Like, I think there's value in, in that aspiration. I don't think it's for nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I think, when I've been really trying to, like, think about the long game with my body, you know? I've been like, okay, like, do I care if I can touch my toes in 20 years? Like, I don't think I do care if I can touch my toes in 20 years. But, like, do I hope that I have, like, a healthy embodiment in 20 years? Like, do I hope that I still have... A yoga practice of whatever that means. Like mm. if that means like all I've got is tree pose, and I have to look <laughs> back at episode one of this podcast where I said like "fuck tree pose," <laughs> and like it's just me with like my heel against my ankle, trying to balance because that's all I can do is like basically ta- a modified tadasana mm-hmm. with my foot on my ankle to give it a tree pose, like. I hope that I can be, like, grateful for that, you know, and I just, I just heard myself and just rolled my eyes so hard, <laughs> you know, because it is, I mean, it's it's a little bit of a, uh, it sounds a bit trite, you know, but I think there's something to be said for, like, recognizing that the achievement isn't what, like getting your foot against your thigh mm-hmm. in tree pose, you know, like the, the, um like the practice is showing up,
0: I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I know.
1: I know. I know. I know. I still uh, but- just
0: want to, cause I do like tree pose. Like when I just forget about it and like put my, foot on my calf like all i can do and i can balance in it and i'm feeling like a good balance day like i do like the feeling of it just it's kind of peaceful but yeah. then you know i don't know i just want to be like the pictures yeah <laughs> um,
1: i did okay no i just already got to uh to woo i don't think
0: i can tell my true story oh no no (laughs) (laughs) No, please that's why you're the teacher and i'm i'm (laughs) i want you to to teach me like these these things that like will break through like my understanding of you know having to be like everybody else having to do it like like this like tell me your woo woo story about tree pose <laughs> no
1: it's not really about tree pose it's oh. just about a tree
0: oh even better
1: <sighs> but when we started talking about tree pose that uh, last week this is what came to mind and uh it seems relevant or it might be relevant um just in terms of like Tell it, tell it tell it tell <laughs> it okay uh, well just in terms of like what is present beyond just doing a pose right like mm-hmm. if the pose is about being like a tree you know so these poses have names that are uh you know often stories or descriptors and they they are more than just this tree is kind of or this pose is kind of like being a tree right like yeah. you can give it more meaning than that and so uh, I had this experience uh, you know back back a while ago when I was uh, in a <laughs> not so differently in a time of <laughs> confusion <laughs> and lostness but differently in that it was a time uh, when I just was feeling really rootless and confused and had not had a home for a while and had um, been traveling you know, around and um, I had met up with uh, a lover in New Zealand and that relationship wasn't gonna work out but we were having what might have been the saddest road trip on record of just two people driving around New Zealand in the winter time just sad and broken-hearted and trying to see New Zealand and uh, we went to a place in New Zealand where they have um, some old-growth kari trees and there's two that are uh, quite sacred and they're known as the grandmother and grandfather trees of that forest and uh, the tree that's the grandmother in that forest, uh, we went to this, there's a platform that you can stand on and it's as close as you can get to that tree. And and I stood there and I was looking at the tree, and I I sort of went into, like, the closest thing I can say is that I went into a bit of a trance with the tree, and I felt as though I was in some kind of communion with the tree. Mm. and. I felt as though and I felt very much like I was asking and saying, like, what is it like to be so steady and to have been in one place for so long? And so I had felt so wayward and uh lacking in roots mm-hmm. and Um, And I felt that that tree sort of gave to me this quality of like strength and pride of what it meant to like love a place that long and to watch a family and community grow up around it and to watch time happen to a place and to just stand with so much like generosity and pride in place Mm. and um you know the (laughs) my experience was that the tree also (laughs) this is so goofy uh my experience was that the tree also asked me what it was like to um to be able to travel and to be able to see other places and so i made the offering that i could make back to the tree of the experiences that I had, being able to go places and, and to see other things beyond one single mm. place. Uh, and so then I was uh, gently released from that trance <laughs> and was back in, I don't know, real time. Uh, and so, <laughs> so hello, podcast listeners. <laughs> super
0: cool. No, that's super cool.
1: Um, but when when we mentioned tree pose and uh, as much as I sort of struggle with enjoying that pose I I maybe want to reflect on or acknowledge that some of that does come with my own struggle with that type of steadiness Mm. in place Mm -hmm. and with um, that degree of Maybe struggle with like self pride, um, not yeah. not pride like vanity or pride like ego, but just um, like a containment and like like radiant pride. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I guess I'm. I have a. I have a curiosity about exploring tree pose with that in mind. <laughs>
0: That is such a cool story and I really want to go see that tree like I no joke when I was a kid I was a pretty lonely kid and we had this like um backyard that kind of went up a slope a little bit and there was this kind of clearing area where our trampoline was <laughs> and there was like so, like a circle of trees around it and um I used to spend a lot of time just like jumping on that trampoline and whatever and doing little flips or singing a song and the audience, my audience was the trees and like I would always feel like when the wind blew through their leaves and they would rustle like it was like a round of applause and it was just such a nice feel like it it felt like they had like a presence and a spirit and... You know, even talking about it now, it's like, it's kind of sad because I was, you know, a lonely kid, but I didn't feel lonely at that time. Like, I wasn't like, oh, my only friends are trees. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, oh, this is so rad, like these trees and my friends and they're like super into like the fact that I just did that flip and and again there was that sort of like mutual curiosity like oh look at that little girl child Mm -hmm. (laughs) flipping and stuff that we can't do but we're here is like these solid protectors and witness and and I don't know I've always just loved trees and my favorite ever character in the whole world is Groot from Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> Not just baby Groot. Everybody loves baby yeah. Groot, but like like adult Groot, like that tree. And then um the ants in Lord of the Rings, like I'm just so like these tree spirits are super real and everyone should like I don't know, like they are that lesson in like groundedness mm. and they kind of hold the strength in a place for you without you having to do it because we're just not like that as as human beings um but we can we can get that um experience through that sort of communion with with a tree and with trees and i yeah that's not weird at all and that's the one awesome thing about like i'm growing up with my like dad as my dad (laughs) i'm not a religious person like i usually scorn religion and all that kind of stuff but oh any of that spirituality like nature stuff i totally buy into and not in a weird i mean it's weird because like again i'm cynical of it like kind of like you are but i also know what i felt and know what i feel and know what i see and it's like yeah like believing ghosts in ghosts or something is kind of weird but hell if i don't like just know that it's real (laughs) no one's going to tell me that it's not and same with like tree spirits and and all of that um yeah so cool that's a really cool story and maybe you can think of that grandmother tree next time you do tree pose and just see if you can embody her oh god like how old was she like thousands, like thousands of years like, oh I
1: think god. it's pretty, I mean she's close to as old as the Redwoods like I think there's a a similar length of time wow you know yeah um yeah and I think in particular because this time in my life is so similarly desirous of home mm-hmm. and so precarious of home that there's a way that maybe um Uh, embracing tree pose (laughs) is perhaps uh, not without its benefits. And I did also, um, at the yoga studio that I practiced at this week, there was um, LA Yoga Magazine, which I flipped through uh, a bit uh, Um, (laughs) half-heartedly. But the final image was of this teacher, uh, Thea, in tree pose, coincidentally. Hmm. Uh, and she is a um, curvy yoga teacher who is also um, a trauma informed yoga nidra teacher. And she was, she's in tree pose and she's in these sort of punk looking leggings and combat boots. And she's on this bridge in LA looking like really tough and radiant and badass and
0: cool. <laughs> I uh,
1: I just thought like what a nice like gift that you and I had brought up tree pose and there she is looking like looking not like these cliches that we've spoken of mm-hmm. right and looking like somebody uh, that I want to be friends with and yes. um, I was particularly uh, drawn to her because I read the little bio and but she is trauma informed, um, I looked her up, and she teaches uh, not too far from my parents' house where I'm staying. So I'm hoping this week to um, seek her out and go to one of her classes.
0: Um, Whoa, well, cool! So
1: I, it was a nice like, uh, like braid of. Of tree pose and trauma and locality, that and
0: combat boots. I mean, come and on, combat
1: boots, <laughs> um, and the fact that she's also um, uh, atypically bodied um, mm-hmm. for you know yoga culture in
0: right. these
1: times, right? And that that's a big. I looked at her website kind of briefly today, and that's a big part of her ethic and a big part of what she's about. And so, uh, I'm hoping to. Uh, Go have some time with her this week, um, and I. But I. I wanted to mention that she was an image of tree pose that defied some of these more common um, images in that pose.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, when I googled tree pose to like do like reading and research on it, like on the image section, it was all the same person. So. Let's keep getting more pictures of everybody, every type of body who is able to practice tree pose in whatever way they practice tree pose. Um, yeah, that's cool. I yeah, see also,
1: that anyone who wants to email us their pictures of... Yes tree post <laughs> soft job podcast at gmail.com yes. uh find some way to uncliche cliche tree posts yes
0: definitely oh maybe we have to like start like a facebook group or something or yeah. something like that so we can see visuals of things and talk more there yeah. i don't know yeah but um cool well i i think that That was a pretty cool first episode of a soft jaw.
1: Yeah. Do we want to declare our next pose of the week?
0: Hmm. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know which one now tree pose just feels so iconic and that's it that's done again drop the mic ha, tree, pose, tree pose for life tree pose, <laughs> tree pose is done gonna get it tattooed across my knuckles wait t-r-e-e-p-o yep tree pose yep <laughs> only when I can put my freaking foot on my inner thigh and I will get it I will get it <laughs> I'm declaring it now. I'm going to get it tattooed across my knuckles. And I, can I would love that
1: so yes. much. I want to be there with you when that happens.
0: Well, I'm already going to get a Groot tattoo. I don't know if I told you that, but I want to get, like, a Groot tattoo from, like, the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie when he, like, sacrifices himself for everybody else, which is how he turned into baby Groot um, for the second one. And, yeah, I like I like him a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so that's step one. Okay. <laughs> and then... <laughs> Yeah. tree pose i'll um, my knuckles okay well i don't know do you have a pose um
1: okay hold on let me let me ruminate for a second
0: um
1: well we could just i mean i could just keep going towards my like basicism and be like yeah that pose I keep crying in do we want to do
0: pigeon pose oh yeah sure I freaking hate that pose <laughs> everyone can do it better than me of course no um, yeah let's, let's do it.
1: I just I was like I'm just so uh
0: no I think we should do the ones that challenge us in certain ways like because it I mean now that we talked about tree pose and I'm just so like thankful for it and for what it is designed to do which is balance you and ground you and get those lessons from those tree folk out there right. and right. you know I'm gonna think of it a lot differently this week and not care that I can't put my foot on my thigh <laughs> Right, <laughs> and, and
1: also to remember that like balancing is always a process
0: right right yeah. <laughs> and no matter how good you are at tree pose it's gonna change every Time you do it depending on your day, yeah, and your inner ear fluid. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, or,
1: there was something this week in my practice that I, whatever I can't even remember what it was, but it's something I can. I would say I can usually do eff- effortlessly, let's say, quote unquote, or like I can do without thinking.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: whatever was up with me this week. Couldn't do it without uh, having to make it very deliberate. And what 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 pose was it? I'm trying to remember. Um, it's all a bit. This is sort of the the crux of, of post-concussive stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's like things that I knew I could have recalled. I'm having a harder time with. Um, you know it. It might have been a transition from a pose to a pose like so it might have been like a stepping from uh like a warrior one into something else Mm. and i actually don't remember what it was but i was really struggling with it and i was struggling with placing my foot in particular is my is my memory and uh I, I just kept hearing, like, my teachers in my head, not the teacher who was in the room, but my teachers who I've studied with in the past, just over and over about how, like, you know, it's just your practice is your practice that day, basically, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, your body is your body that day. It's not like you get so good at it and then you've got it and you're solid it's like it may be that you did it one day and it felt effortless and the next day for who knows what confluence of reasons it's not effortless Mm -hmm. and then you just get to work with that Um, so that was like uh, a part of my practice this week was that uh, (laughs) sort of re-reminder of that fact that it's not as though you get you're going to get your foot on your thigh once in tree pose and then you've got (laughs) it for life (laughs) yeah for whatever set of reasons like it may be there for years and then it's not there
0: and you get to work with that well I think pigeon pose is a perfect one because it's kind of you know I think again, a hip opener and all of those fun things and is one that I've always kind of struggled with and like, feel like there's like a point that I should be able to get to, but I just cannot, like, it's not like it even hurts. It's just like, you know, like trying to bend your knee like forward. It just isn't a bodily function, but it obviously is a bodily function because other people can do it. But again, it's like, I'm in there and I'm like, nope, I can't like lay my head down at all um yeah. so yeah i would love to talk about pigeon pose and all right most every even yin classes even yin i think we held up for like three minutes aside it was so <laughs> <awful>. <laughs> but yeah i think yeah. i'll i'll concentrate more on that in to class in you <laughs> yes so it happens every time for you or recently uh, that, just, that it, just, just right that now
1: just, just lately there's just a lot of crying in pigeon pose uh, mm-hmm. it is um, I do believe related to um, something deep in the hips um, I do want to do some research about that I think there's some belief systems about um, emotions held deep in the hips uh, there is also um, the This dude whose classes I've ended up in several times, uh, he happens to play music, and he's always playing these kind of heartbreaking love songs during that cool-down time when we're in pigeon, and I am somehow very susceptible right now to weeping to these love songs, (laughs) which is very embarrassing about my life right now. (laughs) but uh so some combination of uh heartbreak love songs uh trauma and hip openers Mm. is i think what is happening to me but uh we'll talk more about that next week
0: yes i'm excited
1: all right uh all right i love you i love you too all right talk to you next week
0: bye
1: bye